Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. First Corinthians chapter 13, that was nice, nicely done. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 11. I'm going to read just this one verse to you. When you get there, say amen. Y'all got to wake up this morning. You there? If you're going to read it off the screen because you didn't bring your Bible, say that, man. That's more, that's more like it. First uh, Corinthians 13, verse 11. When I was a child, and don't tell me you brought your Bible on your phone. That's not your Bible. That's your phone. You just downloaded a Bible app, and you started a one-year Bible reading program that you quit on January the 17th. You and I both know it, and you're getting those those notifications that you're past due and you feel condemned every once in a while. So you just turn the notifications off. I've been there. First Corinthians 13 verse 11. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. When I was preparing for this, I thought, you know, there are a couple of different ways that we can go at this uh, Father's Day message. I've been in many Father's Day messages, many Father's Day services where the preacher gets up and he reads off, you know, all of these unbelievable, you know, statistics that if you don't play with your kids 17 hours out of the day, they're going to wrestle with depression and suicide, right? That's some of the things that, that people say. If you, don't, if you don't wake up with them and go to bed with them and make them the center of your world, and if you don't completely, if you don't just completely become absorbed, if you don't do the weird puppet voices, they're going to grow up thinking dad doesn't love them. And you have all of these statistics about what happens when fathers are not present in homes. And so I could give you all those statistics and just freak you right out and just make you the greatest dad in the world for two weeks till the statistics wore off. But instead of talking about fatherhood, I don't think that fatherhood is really the issue. I think manhood is the issue. And if I think, I think that if we talk about, if we get manhood right, we get fatherhood right. Can I get a witness from somebody? Because we live in a culture that has started to even frown upon masculinity. They even have a term for it. You know the term. Toxic masculinity. And there are elements of, man, it's, getting, it's, it's already gotten real serious. Everybody's like, hmm. There are elements of masculinity that have been toxic, right? I grew up in the, in the understanding that being a man was predicated upon how big your belt buckle was. You a man. What kind of boots you wore. Could you grow a beard or not? You're not a man 
unless you shoot animals and clean them and then eat them. That's what makes you a man. And I don't have any issue with you doing any of that stuff. I think that's great. I went squirrel hunting one time with a friend, almost shot him. No joke. That was the end of my hunting career. But we have this idea about manhood that has crossed over into toxicity. But we can't throw masculinity out with everything that's toxic. Because then we have a church, and I hear this all the time. I hear this all the time traveling. Where are the men in the church? And my answer is simple. We ask them to be women. We told them. That your masculine instincts need denied or ignored or suppressed. And we've preached it out of them and we've talked it out of them and we've hashtagged it out of them. So now we have a generation of broken men raising confused young men that don't know how they should feel about themselves. I read one quote the other day. This guy was super woke. Super woke. Some people are so woke, they need to go back to sleep. You need a nap. So woke. And he was talking about masculinity. And he said, I'm ashamed of being a man. And a whole generation looks at him and says, Oh, yes. Just a wokeness level 5,000. And there's nothing in you that should be ashamed about being a man. We just have to understand God's design for men and then be that man. You hearing what I'm saying? This is what Paul is talking about when he's writing in 1 Corinthians. He said... When I was a child, I spake like a child. The way I talked was childish and immature. I'm going to help you today. Are you with me? Are you with me? And I'm going to help the women today. I'm going to help you understand that gorilla that lives in the house. I'm going to help you. First of all, you have to wrap your mind around the idea of maybe everything about him that's different isn't automatically wrong just because it's different. <laughs> and the brother said, yeah. yeah. Give me that Tim the Tool Man Taylor. That's what I'm talking about. I did it to my wife one time and my voice cracked. <laughs> She's like, oh, Okay. He's like, we'll, 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 we'll move right along from that. <laughs> Maybe everything that's different about them isn't wrong. Maybe everything that's different about them needs celebrated rather than condemned. Because you're not going to believe this. But there are things about women that even men don't understand. I'm about to take up a second offering. And when you look at men thinking, oh, my God, what's their problem? When the men get together, they just say, I don't know. I don't know. 
I had to get out of the house because <laughs> I don't know. And I live with three women, so I never know. When I was a child, I spake like a child. Because men, let me, let me back up and say it this way. Being born male, that's by birth. Becoming a man is by choice. Okay. And being a man is not a function of age. Being a man is a function of accepting and shouldering responsibility. Hearing what I'm saying? I'm going somewhere. I'm setting you up. I'm going somewhere. When I became, when I was a child, I spake like a child. I can't tell you, if I had time to tell you some of the stories, I I have to do a lot of marriage counseling. Not just people in this church. I get contacted from people all over. We do a lot of marriage counseling. I do a lot of marriage counseling, talking to people. And nine times out of ten, whenever I'm working with couples, I have a man in the room that has just verbally, that has been verbally assaulting his wife. Because that's why we associate rage and anger with men and masculinity. Because that's how he expresses it. It just comes out. And he's going off and he says things he shouldn't say. And when I'm hearing the things that are being said, I'm looking at him and saying, did you really say that? And he's like, yeah, I said that. I'm like, did you, what did you tell yourself when those words were coming out of your mouth? Like, I think I'm making a good point here. I think she's going to hear this. What were you telling yourself? He's coming, he's angry, and he's coming out, and you have a broken woman there, and she's saying, and then he said this, and it cut me, and it hurt me, and it stung me so deep, and I can't get past it, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to show him, you are speaking as a child. Okay, I, you have to deal with both of them. You have to get at both of them. You say, You're speaking like a child. Nothing that you have said is justifiable. I know you're angry. I know you're hurt. I know you're frustrated. I get all that, but you don't get to say certain things. To other people. Period. You know what would you know what number one rule would transform marriages? You know what number one rule would transform marriages? I want to drop a bomb on you right now. This rule, be nice. Be a Christian. Be kind. But you don't know what she said. I don't care what she said. Be kind. The bet the bigger person does the right thing first. You can't say that. You can't talk like that. You, can't, you, you don't just get to give full vent to all your emotions. Proverbs said, the fool gives full vent to his emotions. You can't do that. But then I have to talk to the wife and I have to say, let me explain to you why he's coming out like that. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it okay. He's got to knock that off. But this is why. Because as a man, he does not feel heard. Women, if you want to reach the heart of your men, the number one thing a man needs is not sex. It is a close second. Don't misunderstand. But the number one thing a man needs, can I get another Tim the Tool Man grunt on that? The number one thing a man needs is respect. They need honor. And if you want to reach the heart of your husband, let me tell you how to do it. Dignify his opinion by listening. 
just listen. You don't have to agree. You don't have to see it that way. You don't have to think about it that way. But just listen. Do you know how many times I have counseled married couples? And I will see a man that is broken and hurting on the inside. And he will try to open up and try to articulate how he feels, which you and I both know. We know how that's going to go. Men don't talk about stuff like that. And when he finally opens up, he doesn't have the words. He can't give articulation to his emotions like a female can. And when he opens his mouth and starts speaking, he starts stumbling over himself. And then the wife is sitting over there chapping her lips and rolling her eyes. See? What I see is a young man crying out to be heard. And he's throwing a temper tantrum. He's just got bigger biceps now. And he's six foot tall, not three foot tall. But he feels unheard. He feels unheard. And we damage men when we dismiss and discount what they have to say. We damage them. We damage them. And so they resort to speaking like children. Now, don't, don't, you females, don't get mad at me. I've crawled all over the husbands plenty of times. Right? Well, I just don't see it that way. That's fine. That's fine. But he's going to continue to speak like a child if he's not feeling hurt. My son, Asher, he's three years old. He is the most sweet, kind. I mean, you could not find a sweeter, more cuddly human being in the world. Until something don't go his way. The other day, me and Lindsay were talking about something. We were just having a conversation, and he was trying to get, like, some kind of candy or something. And he was saying, Mom, Mom, Mom. And moms, y'all have this ability. Y'all have become so desensitized to the nagging that it is incredible. I mean, it is incredible. It's helpful. It's a defense mechanism. It's for survival. Right. And we're just, we're talking over him. He can't hear us, and we're talking about something. And he finally goes, stop. stop. He's three. Stop. And he said, what do you want, buddy? I want candy. And we said, not right now. And he goes, ah! I'm not being heard right now. And that's what we get when we get angry men. I'm not being heard. I don't need you to agree. I just need you to listen and then not treat me like an infantile fool. Brothers, I'm trying to help y'all. Y'all ain't saying nothing. It's because you're scared. You're terrified. You're going to get in the car and say, now, honey, I don't believe a word he said. You are, you are none of that. I got you, dog. I got you. But me and you both know. It's the, it's the bro code. When I was a child, I spake as a child. You probably, you probably don't agree with this, and that's fine. I can't, I can't force you to be right. <laughs> that's my passive-aggressive way of saying, you're wrong. 
Would you see all of this happening on TV, all of the riots, the violence, the destruction? Are there people out there that are just being ridiculous? Sure, sure. But there's also a great portion of people that are angry because they don't feel like life is listening. And then we stand up and condemn such childish behavior. And I'm not saying that we should support. We shouldn't support violence. I've already made this statement. I'm not going to make it again. But what we should do is listen. You want to win the heart of your man? Listen to him. You can walk in the room later and say, I don't know what he's talking. They don't know. Listen. I've been in marriage meetings where men try to articulate and the wife mocks the fact that he can't even frame his words right. He will say something to me that I get and she will say, see, he can't even talk about it right. Gee, I don't know why you're having marital problems. It's lost on me. Because you have a man that feels like you're not listening. And so instead he's speaking like a child. Anything that I can do to get attention if it means throwing a tantrum then it's a tantrum but the problem is when grown men throw tantrums they don't break toys they break expensive stuff they break people i've never talked to a man involved in beating his wife that did not also hate himself that did not also feel like i have all of this burning in me and nobody is willing to listen I don't need everybody to agree. I just need somebody to listen. When I was a child, I spake as a child. Then he takes it deeper and he says, I understood as a child. The way I processed information was childish. You with me? When you don't have fathers to help you navigate and wade through life. I didn't have a father. My father left when I was two. Him and my mother divorced when I was two. I can count on one hand how many times he and I ever spent time with each other. My mom, to the best of her ability, she was mom and dad, which God bless moms that do that. Unbelievable. And God bless dads that do that because I know single dads raising three and four kids and now his daughter's a 14-year-old, and he is completely ill-equipped to manage that. <laughs> but you shoulder it, and you do it anyway. My mom would go cook dinner and then come outside and play basketball with me. And, Tom, I would smoke her. I would dominate her. She'd go up for a layup, and I would throw it to the woods, not in my house. That's your house. This is my house. <laughs> It's true, actually. I was like 14. I was two inches taller than her and felt like she killed O'Neal. <laughs> Don't bring that weak stuff in here. That's my mom. <laughs> That's a joke. Y'all can lighten up. Jesus. But when you don't have a father to help you navigate through life, you remain inadequate in your ability to process. You can't. You can't think through things in a mature way. You can't think through things in a mature way. 
can we talk real plain? We're going to. You know how many young men that I've had to counsel who get married but grew up with no father, addicted to pornography, and that's how they process what this is supposed to look like? And they never had a father tell them, you're thinking, if you think this is that, you're thinking as a child. I have dear friends right now, people older than me, that still think like children in certain respects. I've got two friends right now. Let me back up and say this way. The place where this manifests the most in men's lives, number one, is in relationships to women. That's why premarriage counseling, even though I hate it, is so good because you eliminate surprises and you clarify expectations. She's not bringing you breakfast in bed. I know you saw that on the movie, but that guy was rich and you're not, so she's not bringing. It's a joke, man, alive. It manifests itself in relation to women and it manifests itself in relations to themselves. I have a good friend right now. He's a wonderful guy. Wonderful guy. Has in the last three months, and this is, this is his track record. This is his track record. This is what he does. Made enormous, enormous, astronomical, big ticket purchases that we both know he can't afford. Okay? The way I know he can't afford it, because he'll text, text me in a week and ask for money. It happens routinely. And I have to say, the money you need is wrapped up in that new boat payment. But it's, I don't look at, well, he can't manage money. I look at, you have a broken relationship with yourself. Because you're using all of your toys to either, number one, be in competition with somebody else. Or number two, escape reality. I've got another friend, dear friend of mine. He has, he has, he has, he is one terrible financial decision after another. When one of his friends gets a truck, he goes and buys a bigger truck. When one of his friends gets a house, he goes and buys a bigger house. Hey, the problem, he ain't got no money. Because on the inside, he understands like a child that I've got to compete, that I've got to fight, that I've got to compare, and that this is my escape. This is my escape. Maybe if I can take that boat on the water for four hours, maybe it will help me forget that when I get back home, my bank account's overdrawn and I have nothing in savings and then I'm a financial wreck and I'm one emergency away from disaster. He understands as a child because he had no father look at him and say, this is how you navigate life like a man, not like a boy. This is how you navigate life. Not like a man, but like a, as a man, but not like a boy. When I was a child, when I was a child, spake as a child, understood as a child, thought as a child, watch. But when I became a man, Two different winds in the text. And there is a great crossing over that has to happen in every man's life from one win to the next. You hearing what I'm saying? And watch what we do as a culture. When women cross over from little girl to young woman, 
We celebrate it. We celebrate it. You're a young lady now. I don't have to spell out for you what I'm talking about, right? I do have to. (laughs) I could. (laughs) Should I tell this or not? Some of y'all are saying, no, no. We celebrate femininity. We frown on masculinity. We don't celebrate men when they grow up. We tell them everything they're doing wrong now that they're grown. When I was a child, I spake as a child, thought as a child, understood as a child. But when I became a man, because there is a lot of turbulence for young men when they cross over. There is a storm for young men when they cross over. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When they, when they leave Egypt, when they leave the bondage of childhood, and they cross over into the promised land of manhood, there's all sorts of turbulence that happens that we've not given a voice to in the church. When was the last time you heard a message preached about young men, about how to be young men? Maybe if there's a random, obscure, small group that you can find somewhere, but this is not something that we preach and instill in people. Because we believe it's toxic. When you reach the promised land as a man, this is what that means. I'm in the promised land. That means now I'm a man. That keeps my promises. I keep my promises to my wife. You know how many people get married and still want to be single? You don't get to live single and be married at the same time. You don't get to be married and all of your best friends still be young and single. That's a recipe for disaster. You hearing what I'm saying? We don't celebrate the crossing over. Now I'm in the promised land, which means I keep the promises to my wife. I keep promises to my family. I shoulder responsibility. That's what it means to be a man. What it means to be a man. Jesus is the ultimate picture. Jesus is the ultimate picture. Your Bible calls Jesus the lion of the tribe of Judah, and it calls him the lamb of God. Inside of Jesus was both a lion and a lamb. And inside every man, there is a lion and there's a lamb. And we have a culture that wants to elevate the lamb-like nature of men and wants to put down the lion-like nature of men. And Jesus says, you you have to learn when to be both. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is a lion nature down inside of every man that needs to be celebrated just like the lamb nature. But what men struggle with is they don't know when to be which one. When you're with your wife, that's not the time to be the lion. When you're with your kids, that's not the time to be the lion. That's the time to be the lamb. But we have stripped men out of that lamb nature, out of that lion nature completely, and now we have weak, emasculated men that have no orientation to who they are in the world, and now the church is saying, where are y'all at? We preached the manhood right out of you. We preached it right out of you. Heard a lady the other day talking about raising kids. And she said, I am so disturbed 
she was, she was super woke as well. So I'm so disturbed at how I see fathers playing with their children. It is so rough and it is so violent. And I don't know what's going to happen to this generation if fathers continue. What in God's name do you think we're supposed to be doing, lady? I'm raising a young boy. There's a lion on the inside of there. And I got to teach him it's okay to be a lion sometimes. And I got to teach him it's okay to be a lamb sometimes. When he goes to cuddle with mom, I think that is sweet and wonderful. But when he comes to play with dad, it's going to be a roller coaster. <laughs> he needs to be a little bit afraid when dad gets a little too amped up. You got to body slam your son once a day at least it's good for the masculine soul can i get an amen from somebody dad you are not just the guy that grills the steak and pays for the vacation you are raising a nature inside those boys where they need you to teach them it's okay to be a lion and it's okay to be a lamb but don't you let anybody ever tell you that being a lion is wrong and toxic and should be frowned upon because that's not who Jesus is and that's not who you are can I get a witness from somebody when I became a man, I put away childish things. And there comes a time in every man's life where you got to bring that immaturity to God and nail it to a cross. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You need to nail it to a cross. People, I used to have people tell me all the time, you should not get married young. They were telling me, you should get married. You should wait to get married till the, as late as you can. So you're ready for it. Let me tell you what will get you ready for marriage. Getting married. I made up in my mind I'm getting married at 29 years old. I got married at 22. And they want nothing. Jerk the slack out of you like a good woman. So in my early years, young people would come to me, they're 19 years old, I'm thinking about getting married. No, 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 no. You need to wait 27 years. Don't get married till you can retire. Now, 18 years old, I want to get married, jump in. There's going to be some stuff nailed to the cross. You don't even see it coming. I do, secretly on the inside. I'm kind of giggling, but it's coming at you like a speeding train. And you're going to put away some childish things. But when you do, when you make that sacrifice, there's a manhood that stands up on the inside of you that says, I'm capable of making this, making it and navigating this life all on my own. Oh, glory to God. Are y'all with me? Yes, it is. Asher, Asher's a little cuddle bug. He'll, he'll nuzzle up to mom and put his thumb in his mouth and watch T-Rex. T-Rex. He actually watches T-Rex Play-Doh on YouTube. The whole YouTube. Listen, there, he used to watch cartoons in different languages. He didn't know. I was like, why is we watching a Russian cartoon? He loved it for hours. But when he comes with dad... He's getting a face plant, boom, into the bed. It's, it's good for the soul. It's good for the soul. 
it's good for the soul, right? But if you deny men that lying nature, deny them that lying nature, you're stripping a part of them that God wired to be that way. Just because we don't understand it. You want me to be a lamb when we're having a conversation, that's fine. But you want me to be a lion when the garbage needs taken out. That's why I train jujitsu. Every man in here, you should train jujitsu. If you're not training jujitsu, you should train jujitsu. Because there's something good that happens in your soul when you can't breathe and feel like you're about to die. There's something good that happens when you feel like, oh, my God, I think he just broke my arm. You see the tatted warrior down here, Stephen? I roll with Stephen a lot. Stephen is unbelievably much stronger than I am, but there's something good when your best, when your best friend says, what's the matter? Can't you breathe? No, I can't breathe. When my face is changing colors at a rapid pace, you probably want to let up buddy but it fosters that lion nature on the inside of men and if I really talk to all the women in here you don't want a weak man anyway <laughs> no <laughs> I heard one stand up well, I ain't gonna say that never mind You want a man that'll protect you. You want a man that'll defend you. You want a man that knows how to be a lamb when it's time to be a lamb. And you want a man that knows how to be a lion when it's time to be a lion. And that's what we've missed about manhood and masculinity. We've ripped that out of young men, and now they're confused. Now they're confused. They don't know what's acceptable and what's not because the rules change by the day. Right, And I'm not talking about this male-dominating, chauvinistic. I'm not talking about all that garbage. A real man exalts women, not pushes them down. This ain't, this ain't well, in my house. No, this is y'all's house. Right? I have a job. My wife doesn't have a job, but it's not my money. It's our money. Because a man takes the gift that God gave him and his wife and elevates her to a place of dignity and esteem and says, nobody's ever going to treat you anything less than this. I'm not above you. You're not beneath me. It's me and you arm in arm fighting the fight together. And anything other than that is not manhood. It's not manhood. I had a preacher tell me one time he was, he was giving me some pre-marriage counseling. And he said, he was talking about having conversations with his wife. He says, yeah, I correct my wife all the time. I corrected that in her. I'm not married yet. But I don't know that that's the best way to go about that. You're trying to be a lion right now. And you need to be a lamb. Talk to so many young married men, broken, confused, 
hurting, feeling disrespected, dishonored, misunderstood, made to feel like a child because you do this, that, or the other, or whatever the case may be, and the women in your life, they just don't understand it. And there are some behaviors that you need a man to look at you and say, you need to knock all that off. Stop. you got to have a man in your life that you will let him wield the sword and cut on you a little bit and say, this is holding you back and you need to knock it off. It was cute when you're 12. You're, set, you're, you're 28 now. It ain't cute anymore. Okay. you got to have somebody in your life that can do that. But men, this is, I can't believe this is even a controversial statement, but it is. Men are worth celebrating. Manhood is worth celebrating. Masculinity is worth celebrating. Because as much as we don't misunderstand men, I can tell you life is much harder without them. Ask a single mom. Ask one of them that if the dad would have been here, things would have been different. Asher cuddles mom, but Asher don't listen to mom. Asher punches dad when dad's not even looking, but Asher listens to dad. That's why God created them both, male and female, and said, you're one. Men in this room, we celebrate you today. Your fathers, your husbands, your providers, your workers, your protectors. Some of you young men, you're going to be a father. You're going to be a provider. We celebrate you today. It's been frustrating. And I'm going to say this too, and I'm going to shut up. This is my last point. It's frustrated me for years that on Mother's Day, we celebrate moms, and we should. We should. We should celebrate moms to no end. And talk about the labor and the sacrifice and everything that they do for their families, which is unbelievable. It is unbelievable, the self-sacrificing nature of mothers. It's unbelievable. When me and Lindsay first got married, when she got pregnant with our first child, I told her, I said, honey, listen, I'm going to be a good husband. I said, when that baby wakes up, I'm going to wake up with you. You're going to nurse it, and then I'm going to put that baby to sleep, and I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go work at the office for 10 hours. It's going to happen. She has Annalise, and I did it. I got up every night that Lindsay got up, went to work. When baby number two came around, Mama, you on your own. Daddy's older. Daddy's sleep. That's a joke. Relax. Now my role is to shake you and say, Lindsay, the baby needs you. The self-sacrificing nature of mothers is unbelievable. It's a wonder. Okay, But usually when Father's Day rolled around, we talked about what doofuses they were. Right? They change oil in the car and can teach you how to hit a curveball, and that's about it. Tell me that's not what we've done. 
That's exactly what we've done. And dads are fine. Dads can take it. They, they don't care. They're like, yeah. Got to change your oil right now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but dads, you're worth celebrating. What you do is not gone unnoticed. And even if your kids don't recognize it or acknowledge it, I promise you one day they will. They're going to look back because you know the old saying, the older I get, the smarter my parents become. They're going to look at you down the road and say, thank you for being there. Thank you for even when you didn't understand, you were there. My 13-year-old daughter comes in trying to talk to me about how she's feeling, and I don't know what to do except pat her on the shoulder and say, I don't understand, but I'm here. Talk to dad. The doctor is in. Talk. Dads, we celebrate you today. Stand up on your feet. You got your phone? Pull up that. I saw that meme you posted about the shade. You know what I'm talking about? The sh you post so many, you don't know which. The shade of the next generation. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. And some of you are like me. Some of you, you didn't have a father to show you the way. I didn't have a father to show me the way. So sometimes you have to be the model you never had. I, ne I never in my life had an example of what it looked like for husband and wife to have a good argument and bring resolve and peace. Never had that. I never had a father that was deeply involved. I was convinced. I told myself my entire grown-up life, having a dad hasn't impacted me at all because God is my father. And there, that's great. Now, there's, there's something to that for sure. But when I got married, I realized quick, I needed a dad to show me how to do this. And you men in here, God bless every one of you for being the role model that you are. I know you're not perfect. I get that. I know you're not perfect. I know you make mistakes. I know you get frustrated. I know you, I know, I know they don't understand the things about, I get that. I get it. I get it. But you're there. You're present. You're engaged. And that's worth celebrating. Let me read this to you. A society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they shall never sit in. A society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they'll never sit in. What you're doing now matters for later. What you're doing now every day matters for later. Waking up going to work, coming home, loving mom, loving the kids, taking care of business. You're planting trees that's creating a shade for your legacy. You'll never sit in it. 
I often think, I know I'm, no, I'm talking a lot. I promise I'll shut up. I, I, I think often, what are my kids going to say? In, in 20 years, what are my kids going to say that life with me was like? What are they going to tell their kids about me? Lindsay has told me my name is going to be Pop. And she's going to be Lolly. Lolly Pop. I didn't even get to pick my name. History has proven, though, your name is whatever grandkids can pronounce at the time. What are they going to tell their kids about Pop? And what are the grandkids going to tell the great-grandkids about Pop? You're building your legacy now. Watch. You don't, listen, 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 men, look at me. This is my last thought. Closing number two. You don't build your legacy in a day. You build your legacy every day. You're going to get up tomorrow. You're going to go to work. You're going to come home. You're going you're to eat dinner. You're gonna, you ain't watching sports, I'll tell you that. And then you're going to do it again. You're going to do it again. And you're building legacy, not in a day, but every day. Hope Unlimited, one more time, tell these men and these fathers, we love you and we honor you. <clears throat> Father, we thank you today. We give you glory. We give you honor. I thank you for every man in this room. I thank you for every man in this room. Thank you for every father in this room. I know the challenge. I know the struggle. I know the pressure. I know the stress. I know the worry. I know the anxiety. I get how you feel. And Father, you get how we feel. You get it. And I pray for these men. I pray for these fathers today. They are encouraged. They are strengthened. That every lie society and the church has told them, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. We rebuke that in Jesus' name. I pray for peace to come to them. For rest to come to them. Because men are terrible at resting. Pray for rest to come to them. Pray for comfort. I pray for your presence to visit these men and visit these fathers in rich ways, ways beyond anything they could imagine. Help us. Help us put away childish things. Help us become the men of God you've called us to be. We look at the assignment of being a husband, of being a provider, of being a protector. We look at the assignment of raising children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. 
And we say yes to that assignment. We say yes to that assignment. And we pray for your grace. And we pray for your strength. And we pray for your help, Father. To every man in here that's felt unheard, that's felt ignored, that's felt frowned upon or broken, for every man in here that didn't have a dad, I declare over you the Father is with you. I said the Father is with you. And He listens to you. He cares what you think. He wants to know what you think. He cares how you feel. He wants to hear from you. Father, we love you. And we thank you. Now bless these men of God today. Bless them. Empower them. Touch them. Bless their homes. Bless their finances. Bless their children and their marriages. Give them courage to be the men you've called them to be. In Jesus' name, the church shouted amen. I said the church shouted amen. We love you so much, Hope Unlimited. Happy Father's Day. Now, take these men, because I'll tell you, they're starving. They're starving right now. They're so mad at me, they're starving. Take these men to get something to eat. We love you so much, Hope Unlimited. We'll see you next Sunday, 10 a.m. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.